It is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists in industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black, welcome to Chicago. All right. Dynasty Podcast, uh, broadcasting live virtually as we all are these days. We're all living on Zoom. Uh, and I am here today, tonight, with Jen Kellogg. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. You know, you um, you were doing this awesome workshop series. I really want to talk all about that and how cool that is. But, you know, how are you doing? Because that's, I think, the most important question we all need to be asking each other during this weird quarantine time. Thanks. So um, I'm doing good. Everybody's healthy and uh, we're in a good, safe space. Um, We're in a really fortunate position where we can comfortably socially distance and stay kind of quarantined into ourselves. So um, I just want to thank everybody out there that has to go out and be in the world and do work and put themselves on the front lines, whatever that means outside their house. So um, thank you to everybody doing that. And we're lucky that we can hang out at home. And uh, I got two kids, so they are, we're home, remote schooling, and we're getting through it. Yeah, and absolutely, I completely agree that, you know, anybody who is out there actually, you know, who needs to be out there, definitely, we certainly owe them. And so, yeah, like, and doing homeschooling, oh my God, like, because we're going to talk a lot about, you know, education and stuff, but like, what are your thoughts on homeschooling? The the difficulties, the advantages, disadvantages? Shout out to District 97 in Oak Park and by school and the elementary school my kids go to. They have been amazing. And to be able to pivot in a situation like this, to go from uh, a curriculum that they were planning to do in person. And as my kid's fourth grade teacher said, every lesson she has in person, she has four versions of. And now she's got to figure out how to do that live. or Not even just live, but how to do that remotely. And she's got wow. her own family. And I feel like everybody needs something different. And you're not going to be able to win with everyone on the homeschooling. And homeschooling is almost kind of not the right word. We didn't choose to get into the quarantine schooling, the remote right. schooling. So, yeah. So we're doing good. We figured out a schedule. We figured out what works for us. And we really prioritize. Number one, mental and physical health is the most important. Sure. Yeah. Number two, we're going to do what we're able to do. And we are going to put a priority on getting through the day without screaming meltdowns. Sure. And you know what? (laughs) As we're all trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. That's a win. So um, what we do beyond that, like we really, I really try to focus on what do the kids want to work on? What do you want to work on? And try to make it fun for them. So writing stories about the things that they want to write about, letting them read the books that they want to read, like really giving them a lot of freedom in their choice helps them um, stay focused on learning and moving it forward. Well, and they have an advantage that their mom is a teacher, you know, so you understand how these things work and what people need. Yes, but I just want to clarify, I am by far not a fourth grade teacher, and I am not a first grade teacher, (laughs) and and I cannot pretend to even do the kind of um, real education work, but uh, I am able to be here, and so there, there is an advantage in that. That's awesome. Well, you know, speaking of education, we are here to talk about this awesome workshop series that you have been putting on, and I want to get into all the mechanics of this, but, you know... If we go to your website, jenkellogg.com, you have a number of tour industry-focused workshops. Bring us into 
what these are, how they started, like, like bring us into the idea of this project. I mean, I could, I could talk for days, but the concise version is there were um, some things early on in my career where there wasn't, a, there wasn't a class for this. So I teach producing and touring live entertainment at Columbia College, Chicago. And uh, I've been doing that since about 2013. One of the reasons that I loved getting into that was because when I was learning the concert industry, there wasn't a class like that. And we had to go find people to pick their brain and ask them 10,000 questions to be able to learn anything because there wasn't, I had to go draw it out of people. And I remember thinking back at that time, if I'm ever in a position to be teaching people, I'm going to be proactive about giving the information. There's so much that you don't know what you don't know. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's always one of the biggest obstacles of learning anything is like, if you don't even know that you don't know this thing, you don't know to go solve that knowledge gap. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I remember being, I was a talent buyer at Jam Productions. I had been in the accounting office for four years. I had been on my college concert committee for several years before that. And I got a talent buyer job. So I'm on site as a talent buyer covering a show. And I am now several years into that job where I've been on tour with Bob Dylan and Willie Nelson. It was somewhere maybe in my first year. And I was at a show, it was a Green Day show. And somebody said, oh, the manager, so-and-so is here. And I was like, oh, you mean Doug, the tour manager? And they were like, no, the manager manager. And I didn't realize that the tour manager and the actual, the manager were two different roles. Right. It had never come up. Nobody, I didn't have a place to go get that like list of who does what. And I remember thinking like, why didn't I know that? How has this not come up at some point? And that's just like one little example of a big picture thing that it would have been valuable for me to know more about. And I'm, I'm a lifelong learner. I, I really try to always learn something new, gather some new information. One of the reasons I'm doing the workshops for my personal reasons, I'm going to learn a lot about the details of marketing a thing that I should know more about. And by doing it myself, I will, I learn by doing. So if I learn how to market my own thing, I'm going to become better at not that I want to be a marketer, but advising or knowing when I'm having conversations with people, having intelligent conversations about marketing, I know enough about it, but this will help get me into the details. You know, I think one of the advantages we have right now and certainly this is a time where we are looking for our silver linings but one of the advantages we have right now is like it has never been easier to learn a skill a trade anything the information for most things you want to learn is online now not Mm -hmm. every single skill or you know not everything has the perfectly designed easily accessible class but overall if you're like I want to learn how to make this type of recipe or I want to learn how to do coding or I want to learn how to do web design or whatever that is. You can go find that information. Now, there might be too much information, but it's not like 30 years ago where it's like if the library is closed in the middle of the night, you just can't find out what you want to know. I think that's awesome that these resources exist, your workshops included. Thank you. Like I tell my students at Columbia, that piece of paper that you're earning when you go to classes, that's important. And in certain industries that it's super important. But what I want people to take away from my class in particular, it's not the grade at the end. It's not the piece of paper. It's the content that you're learning during the class. You're mm-hmm. going to get your first job through networking. But what you learn in the class, that content is going to help you do that job better and help you get the next job faster. 
And those are the things that I had to find people to teach me just hanging out backstage at shows that I was working or in the office volunteering to shadow production managers in my free time. Those are the things that I had to go seek out. I want that to be more available to people. So if they want to put their time into doing that, especially when it's hard to go find people to mentor them during this time, I want to put that information out there so that they can advance their careers in an industry where it's hard to get that information unless you are hanging out with the right person, asking the right questions. Well, and anybody who is, you know, taking part in these workshops, like following along, they're really lucky that you are condensing all this information that, like you said, it took you years and years. It took you, you know, all of this veteran experience that you have to put this information together into something easily accessible. So looking at some of these topics that you offer, you know, your workshop content around, we've got, and it's all in that like live event arena. So this is like routing, tour budgets, deal structures, settlement, venues, different roles, uh, revenue streams, spreadsheets, show expenses. And I mean, I don't know, maybe there's more, but that's, that's a lot. How long did it take to put all this together? <laughs> Nothing happens overnight. Sure. So, because <laughs> I looked at that, I was like, I could definitely do this if I had a good 30 extra years to do this. <laughs> now, like it looks, it's a lot of work to put together one class, let alone all of this. I always say you should be enjoying just, the, this is career advice. Enjoy what you're currently doing, but always be working towards the next thing, even if you don't know what that next thing is. And that kind of ties into being a lifelong learner. So back in 2012, I had a baby, a second baby. And around that time, about 2013, I was starting to feel like I really kind of wanted, I'd been doing the warp tour every summer and stay at home momming for 10 months out of the year and then going on tour for two months of the year, which was an amazing work-life balance and an interesting ebb and flow. I was able to stay relevant in my field while doing the home stuff, but I wanted to do a little bit more. My good friend, Mike LeMaestri was teaching at Columbia and said, Hey, you know what? They're adding on a section of this class. You'd be perfect for it. And it's exactly when Warp Tour is not. And I was like, okay, you had me come guest speak. I talk too fast. I turn bright red. It was like crickets <laughs> when I ask when there are questions. Uh. And he said, no, just, just do it. It's something, it'll just give it a shot. So I was like, all right. So I gave that a shot. And I've always loved teaching people things. I feel like I'm able to condense information and convey it in a way that like is a, effective and methodical. So I gave it a shot and it was one of the scariest things I've done is you teach at Columbia too. Like, you know, dive into that first class. Like it's scary. It's scary because like, I remember what it's like to be like 19, 20, 21 or whatever. It's like, if you don't go in and demonstrate that, you know what you're talking about and that you're in charge, like they will eat you alive. Teen I mean, it's like that MCR song, like teenagers are just vicious, you know? They so sit there and stare at you and you're like, yeah. okay, just can can I have one person that will ask some questions? That is always the hardest thing. Cause every, I've had like one or two classes over the years where like, like I had one class, it was like a morning class. And if you're not a teacher, you won't really like recognize this, but like I had one class where the entire semester, I'm not kidding. Every, I mean, you probably had this every single week, 15 weeks, not a single student talked ever about anything 15 weeks. And I couldn't get anyone to say anything or ask any questions. And you're up there just dying you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's rough. So I did that. And uh, while I inherited some of the course material, 
I like to make anything that I work on. I have to make it my own to really be able to most effectively use whatever the material, even if I get a spreadsheet in, I am going to redo that spreadsheet so that I understand it inside and out and I can present it to whoever I'm presenting whatever to in the way that is what I want. So while I got, I inherited the course material, I reworked it, made it my own, had to learn Prezi, the presentation software, and figure out how to tell the story of each of these topics. So it did that for the class. And then I thought, you know, I want to kind of expand my career a little bit. Maybe I could start a business teaching people how to settle shows. It's something that's really hard to learn out in the real world. You have to find a person that's willing to sit down and teach it to you. Our industry sometimes considers some of that information really proprietary. Like if I teach you this, then you're going to try to steal my job. What I tell everybody is if I'm teaching you this, we are not competing for the same jobs. Right. So I decided to start a company called Settlement School, which don't go looking for it. Not a thing, but that, <laughs> in the process of doing that, I got connected kind of with Kevin Lyman, who I was already working for as the tour accountant on the Warp Tour. He's the producer for the Warp Tour, and he was also interested in uh, the education space around the concert industry. So we started a company called the Entertainment Institute that over the course of the next couple of years, 2014, 2015, morphed into a whole bunch of different stuff. So... Worked on a lot of great stuff, learned about things I did not even plan on kind of learning about, a little bit about podcasts, uh, a lot about education online, a lot about putting on a conference, because I ended up becoming a partner in a conference kind of through that. So all of this kind of happened, um, and we were really successful with hosting workshops on the Warp Tour where artists could put on a 40-minute workshop. It was basically an elevated VIP experience where people could buy a separate ticket, go backstage, and learn from one of their artists. And maybe they were learning how to play the drums. Maybe it was more of a conversation about getting bullied in high school or whatever kind of resonated and what the artists wanted to talk about. So it was a way to connect the artists with their fans, and it was educationally related. Once the Warped Tour ended, and it did not make sense to try to do that somewhere else, I was having a little bit of downtime, some family stuff, figuring out, you know, some life stuff, all good things. But I was just getting ready to ramp my career kind of back up and getting my kind of personal website together. And I really, rather than just doing LinkedIn or Facebook, I have three things that I work on. So I'm a festival and tour accountant, I'm an educator, and I'm an entrepreneur. It's hard to put all of that in one LinkedIn profile. So I was working on putting together a personal website and then the coronavirus hit. Needed a minute of like downtime to figure out everything happening here, but then said, all right, well, what can I do from home? Can't go on tour, but I can start some kind of business that teaches people about things. And everybody here has generally time and wants to better themselves. And, you know, the biggest thing though, is we ask kids, especially what do you want to be when you grow up? And the better question I think is what kind of person do you want to be? Because it takes away the career focus and the income focus. Yeah. And when you take away those two things and you just focus on what kind of person do you want to be? I want to be a person that gives back. I want to be a person that contributes to my community I want to be a person that adds value to people's lives. And so when I was sitting at home going, well, I can't go out and get paid the big bucks that I do as a festival or tour accountant because like that's where the real money is when 
we get down to it. I can't do that right now. And who knows when I'm going to be able to do that. But I got this idea to do another thing. So I'm going to put it out there first. You always want to bring value to somebody else's life, especially when like, like you're networking, you ask, what can I do for you before you start asking, what can you do for me? Of course. Yeah. So I decided, you know what? I have had this idea for a while. I have all this material now. So a lot of what you're seeing on the workshops, I've been working on and building for years. And it's been, frankly, kind of easy to throw, I mean, relatively speaking, to throw together in the, in the context of an online workshop. It's amazing. And I was watching like some of the clips and some of the videos that you have on the site, which is not the full workshop, but it's like, this is in-depth stuff. And one of the things that struck me is like, this is free right? Like are the workshops. Mm -hmm. So, okay. That's crazy because this is a tremendous value and you certainly are no dummy. You understand the value of what you're offering. What was the thinking behind offering this for free to people? What's my revenue model? (laughs) And not even just the revenue model, but like, what was the, why is it important that this is free? You know, when you could absolutely easily be charging for this. Based on a lot of the research that we did uh, related to the Entertainment Institute, charging for education-related things online is, there's a challenge. If you sure. put something behind a paywall, you now have to really sell the thing. And so it's taking that part of it away that, like, I just want people to be able to better themselves during this time. So if I'm forcing you to pay me money to get this information, I don't know. I feel like I looked at revenue models in the past that tried to make that happen. And I don't think that I have the, um, I don't have the famousness to get people to pay me for it, frankly. So what am I, why am I doing it this way? The reason that I chose to do it as Jen Kellogg and not under the Entertainment Institute, my main thing is personal branding. Sure. Yeah. When this is over, I want you to hire me as your tour accountant, frankly, your substitute tour accountant. I don't want to go out on 10 month tours, but I want to fill in for you when you can't be there. And I want you to know that I know what I'm doing. I want to go out for a couple weeks at a time. Sure. I mean, I think that that's, it's really smart. And the more accessible this is, you're right. Like everybody's getting the brand and the knowledge that you are delivering, which, you know, A is very valuable to anyone receiving it, but B, it does ultimately lead back to like, look how knowledgeable, look how talented, look how experienced you are, you know? So it's a hell of a resume. Thank you. So that's one thing. Two, I have a vision to, um, I I used to be a a partner in the launch music conference and showcase festival. I have an idea to do a smaller version of that in Chicago as kind of like a one day thing. So I want to build an audience that wants to come to my conference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're building the mailing list, which is again, that's the long game, but it's really, really smart. Who is the ideal student? for these workshops? Like who would you say, whether it's someone in college or whoever that is, like if somebody was thinking about getting into live music, you know, who would you look at and be like, you, you need to take these workshops. I think that there are a couple segments of people. So there are people that just want to get into it there. I've had people that are in high school, people that are in college, people that are in bands that want to find an agent, find a manager, figure out how to get on the road, all of that. Um, so that is definitely the, like, the reason that I called it concert business basics is it is what it says. I am telling you the basic things that you need to know. But the other segment of people are basic roadies or other people that are in the concert industry that know their job really well. They're a cog in a machine. I'm a cog in a machine as a tour accountant. 
it is really useful to understand the other cogs in that machine. So I did a lot of these workshops on the work tour. I would hold workshops for free at night for the crew to come to, to learn more about the industry that they were in. That's so cool. Sorry. Like that's just like, that's such a, again, that's above and beyond. Like you didn't have to do that. Thank you. I try to go above and beyond. (laughs) Um, The one that I did on routing, all the bus drivers and truck drivers showed up because they were like, now we enter, we want to know who threw darts at this map. Like, why are we doing going over here? And then we're driving over there and then we're driving right back to the first place. And they get handed a routing and they say they're, they're told to drive from point A to point B. They don't know why. Right. So giving people information about why they're doing something, it empowers them. It gives them an understanding of why they're doing what they're doing. And it turns a negative attitude because they don't understand into a positive attitude of, oh, there's probably more going on than I realize. Right. This was not an arbitrary random decision. Right. And, you know, along these lines, because you kind of mentioned artists, like this is not just a series of workshops that is useful for like, you know, an aspiring college age concert promoter, right? Like artists and musicians could also very much benefit from this knowledge. For sure. I think that artists need to... They don't know what they don't know. So when they're going to bring people onto their team, they should have ideas of what kind of questions to ask and make sure that they are kind of vetting their team members in a way that makes it a good fit for them. They're going to need some information to be able to do that well. So they don't need to know everything about being a manager, but they should know what a manager does. They don't need to know everything about routing a tour, but they need to understand some of the components so that when they're handed a routing where the agent says, here's, here's what we've come up with. They can ask intelligent questions about, well, why are you choosing to do this? And why did you choose this over that? And why are we going with that promoter versus this promoter? Um, so really I want to give people, I'm not, I'm not pretending that I have like the deepest, deepest knowledge on every single one of these topics I'm giving you enough information to ask the right questions to the people that do have that deep information. Which in and of itself is underrated because it's like, again, you need this foundation just to be able to start. Because again, yeah. you don't know you don't what you don't know, then you are, you're doing yourself a disservice, especially in the music industry or the creative industries where it's very easy to get taken advantage of or just, you know, not be informed. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, I never paid any attention to the business side of things. And now I'm screwed. I'm in a bad well, contract. Or... Fake it till you make it. There's the right amount of that, right? Sure. So sometimes you ha- you got to fake it till you make it a little bit, but you want to not do yourself a disservice by faking it too much, right? And so having an opportunity to, to learn about so that you can, I am the first to admit when I don't know something. And I know that's really hard for a lot of people to say, I don't know what that is. Can you think? Sure. Right. That's right, right. the word you just said. Um, <laughs> what, can you explain that to me? And a lot of people don't feel comfortable doing that. So I want to give them some background knowledge so that they do feel knowledgeable in conversations and don't feel as much like they need to fake it. So they make it. No, absolutely. I think that's great. Are there plans for additional workshops to add to the curriculum or, or even yes. other, you know, online education projects? Yes. So like I'm said, I'm kind of throwing this, <laughs> throwing it together while it's been years in the planning in the, in the knowledge and presentation material, the actual, um, you know, I decided I'm going to put a survey out to all of my Facebook friends and say, what do you want to learn about? 
And that will force me to actually then make this thing happen. So from the time I put out that initial survey, it was like, I should look at the dates, but less than two weeks before I had a website, I had, you know, Squarespace, MailChimp, PayPal, all the things set the up. The whole and thing, yeah. Linked and like had the Zoom, had the first workshop going. And so there was a quick turnaround on that. And so there is a little bit amount of throwing it together. And I'm trying to throw it together further into the future every day that goes by. But with kids and everything, that's challenging. So the topics that I've sort of thrown out there to begin with are the ones that I got the biggest response on that people wanted to learn about. And I sort of envision this being, you know, my very first workshop was How an Idea Becomes a Tour. It's a overview of all of the steps along the process. So if you use that as like the top of a tree, we're going to then get into all of the things in those steps, some in more level of detail than others. But I'm trying to hit the ones that are, um, that I got the feedback on that people want first. So there will for sure be more topics. They will generally relate to the concert business, but there's also lots of takeaways that you can put into any live event. The concert business is not that different than putting on a 5k race or some other, you know, sort of live event. And I'm loosely going for its lecture style on Tuesdays and conversation about that lecture on Thursdays, but that's going to change a little bit. And I'm thinking of adding on like an office hours where I can have people that are more starting out in the industry and are looking for mentors come on and kind of ask questions and have some time with some industry professionals besides myself kind of doing some mentoring. So I am looking at expanding it in different ways and we'll kind of see where it goes. I just have to say, like, I think this whole thing is awesome because it's really impressive that you put this all together so quickly and then it doesn't look quickly put together. Like it looks very exhaustive. It looks very like professional and thorough, but building an online business, building an online course, building an online curriculum of courses, it's like, that's not easy. So I am very inspired by this. You know, one of the things that I have been thinking about doing for forever is building my own freelancing course. And I'm suddenly like, I'm never going to have a freer summer where I have less FOMO in my life. So this is the summer where I'm sitting down with like teachable and think ific and like plugging those in every day until I have a finished course, you know? So I love that you have done this. I want to talk a little bit about, you know, live music. And that's a very big unanswerable field. So I know that we're not going to have like, I'm not going to be like, hey, what date do you have when everything picks up again? But just in general, like what are your thoughts about kind of the the near and far future of, of live music? And again, that's that's a big, hard, unanswerable question, but I would love to get your thoughts. So I know a couple things for facts. Great. One. <laughs> I, I'm human, so happy to have facts right now. <laughs> I don't know that you're going to like the facts. Sure. <laughs> One, humans will gather, people will get together. Sure. That will happen again in the future. Two, it's a fact. Nobody knows how or when. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, I, th- I think that if you are in a position to put yourself in the driver's seat of an event, I think you need to decide to be extra responsible in how you put on that event. You have a responsibility if you are asking people to come gather and partake in something, if you are giving a space for people to come to, you need to be providing a safe space. The Event Safety Alliance has put together a guide to reopening that I think is a great resource for event producers to take a look at 
what are the best practices to reopen? Because there's not a consistent, it's not going to be consistent, right? Sure. So <laughs> we're seeing that all over the country with everything. Right. Yeah. So take that and it's going to be multiplied when it comes to the variety of different events. You've got a variety of different rules in different places, willingness of attendees to attend. Yeah, that's a big one. It's like, even if I, I was saying this on Facebook, if everything in the country opened tomorrow, I'd be like, yeah, I'm staying home. Yeah. You know, not, I'm, I'm not going like, right. I'm fortunate to be in the position to say like, I'm not going and sure. Like open whatever you my, want or don't, but like, I'm not don't going tell my anywhere. kids this, but like <laughs> if school is open in the fall, like, I don't know that they're going. Like, I don't know that I'm going to send them to school. Like I don't, as a don't parent, tell my I, job this. I don't know if I'm doing that either. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's going to be, but at the same time, I have college student kids that uh, in my class that when we kind of did like a, a couple weeks ago, it was kind of a loose survey of if something was open tomorrow, would you go? And a lot of them were like, yeah, I'd go. Sure. Right. So when you're 20, you're invincible. <laughs> you're not going to so let the I flu stop you. Yeah. It's really going to depend a lot on what a particular demographic is willing to do in addition to what legally you can do. And I think that this is an opportunity for event producers to really think about how they want to, who they want to be. What kind of person do you want to be when you grow up, right? Sure. This, is the, this is the opportunity to really think about what do I want to put out into the world that I feel good about and safe about? And, and I do not have the answer for anybody on what that is. All I have is the um, recommendation that that's a thing people should consider as humans. I mean, I think that's a great answer because you're right. Like, again, I was not expecting you to be like November 14th. Like it's, it's just, no one has that date. No one has that answer, but you're right. It is going to be a lot of, it's going to be a lot of trial and error. Some of it's going to go better than others. Just, I mean, I'm talking about everything reopening and anything that does reopen, it needs to be done safely because we're, you know, I'm sure we're all seeing the same stories of just like, you know, one person shows up in a nightclub and suddenly you have to track down 4,000 people. It's like, that's not a sustainable practice for us. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not personally an event producer in that way. I don't envy them and I feel bad for the people who's livelihoods are reliant on that. And I know that those are really hard choices for people to make. So I appreciate that I do not have, one of the things that I like about being a tour accountant is that I remove myself from the really hard choices. <laughs> right, right. Weather emergencies, I don't have to get involved in the weather emergencies. Figuring out if something is going to be a good risk on a show, like financially, I don't have to be, I just execute. Um, sure. and, and a lot of that is personal choices. I feel a little uncomfortable getting involved in those things a lot of times because I don't feel like I have enough information. And it just as personally as a human, it's not a thing that I want to, I don't want to fake it till I make it on, on those types of things. And I think that that's good advice for other people. No, absolutely. I mean, this is great. And I just want to close with one final question, you know, for the next generation of tour professionals, touring artists, you know, anybody who's going to be involved in the live music experience going forward, you know, who maybe isn't right now, what advice would you give them? Ooh, you know what? I ask this of people all the time when I'm, what advice would you give the new generation? And right. frankly, I, I have to take just a quick second to think, but I think that, um, 
always be working towards the next thing, even if you don't know what it is, is a takeaway that I've had in my life. I thought that I was going to know what I wanted to do. And there were life things that popped up that really drastically changed my viewpoint. I thought that I was not going to want to tour when I was pregnant or had children. I thought that that was going to be the end of my like touring concert life. And it would have been, except for the situations that arose where I took a job that uh, when I was not pregnant, I took a job to be the tour accountant for Taste of Chaos in 2009, which uh, oh was God. the last year of that. Throwback. And if that went well, then I was going to be the tour accountant for the Warp Tour. And I took that job and a week later found out I was pregnant. And if those had happened in the other order, I would never have taken that job. And I talked it over, of course, with my husband and my doctor. And those were the only two people's opinions that I gave one flying fuck about. Sure. And they both said, you know what? Baby comes first. As long as baby is fine, we're cool. And so, you know what? I said, what am I going to do? Sit at home and wait to have a baby? <laughs> no, because I'm guessing we're going to go out there. And you know what? As long as the baby's fine and my doctor says it's fine and, you know, my husband's cool with it, it was fine. And so then I said, you know what? I really do love touring. And this is really part of who I am. And so I'm going to have a newborn. I'm going to have a nine-month-old the next time the warp Tour rolls around. And, you know, my husband and I said, well, we'll try it once. And... Uh, we'll see how it goes. And if it works out well, then I'll keep doing it. And I always said, as long as it works for my family, I will keep doing it. And it did every single summer up until 2017 was the summer it stopped working for my family. But that doesn't mean it won't work again. And that whole experience really changed my perspective on what might happen in the future. I always thought I knew what I would want. And I knew where we're, we're going to figure out a long term. Like I'm a very methodical person. Let's have a plan. Let's work sure. towards it. Like I am a much more roll with it and see where it goes. And that same thing applies to these workshops. I'm going to get it started. I'm going to roll with it. We're going to see where it goes. And maybe it leads to a conference. Maybe it leads to me getting a gig somewhere else. Maybe people just give me tips. I got a virtual tip jar. Maybe I get some brand sponsorships which, you know, I'm already working on like some kind of exciting brand partnerships with just getting kind of the message out and helping some brands provide some content. So I'm excited about uh, how that's going. And I've got to give a biggest shout out to the Showmaker Symposium. Uh, my good friend, Jim Digby, started this as kind of a event professionals forum and possibly conference in the future. And I am just, I'm thrilled to be one of the content providers that he's got going on there. So, you know, you never know where stuff goes. So do stuff you love, learn as much as you can, be memorable in a good way. So be that person that shows up offering to help. That person's going to get remembered when jobs become available. Those are my pieces of advice to people starting out. So you might not know where it's going, but just like, just get doing stuff, like do stuff, do just do stuff. I mean, I love it. I agree with everything you're saying. Co-sign on all of it. That is all tremendous advice. People can, you know, we're going to link, of course, the workshops with this podcast on the blog and everything else, the YouTube. But people can also find these workshops at jenkellogg.com, J-E-N-K-E-L-L-O-G-G.com, right? 
Yes. One All N, right. two L's, two G's. Got and it. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been such a pleasure. Absolutely. A, I'm very happy to talk to people right now. And B, you know, and it's it's just quick aside. I've had a lot of people reach out to me to be on the podcast lately. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then it hit me. I'm like, everyone's bored, lonely, and just dying to talk to anybody. I'm not special. Um, <laughs> but I really... You are. Sure. But... I definitely appreciate you taking the time today. This is very cool. I want to check out these workshops just because, hey, like I am trying to use this time to learn because, again, we're never going to have a year where we just kind of have more open free time than this. God, let's hope, you know. So um, thank you so much, Jen Kellogg, for taking the time. JenKellogg.com, awesome tour industry workshops. And, you know, keep me up to date with what happens with these. All right. Thank you, Jaime. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcasts. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the dynamic dynasty, Dynasty Descend.